plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. I'm not sure if it's a party today, but it's definitely going to be an informational program for you. So I am happy that you are with me and uh, welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice American Network and the show is brought to you under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. You can find more information about Be the Star You Are celebrating well finish celebrating 20 years now in its 21st year at be the star you are.org the miracle moment is from be the star you are and it's from lily tomlin and i love this quote the trouble with the rat race is that even if you win you're still a rat <laughs> and uh, i don't think too many people like rats well If you have followed me at all on any social media um, outlets, you will know that this has been quite a week since we last spoke on last Wednesday. So our power company... Turned out all the power here in uh, in many places in Northern California last Wednesday. Some of the places were on Tuesday. So I think three quarters of a million to a million people were out without power. However, we had something really pretty scary happen, and that was it was two fifteen in the morning. The power is out. The air smells of smoke. We're fast asleep. And then we realized that firefighters were pounding on our door, shouting, evacuate now. And what do you do? Well, let me tell you, I thought I was really prepared for an emergency because I have go bags packed in uh, both my husband and my vehicle. I also have another go bag in our closet just in case the vehicles aren't around. And I had put a big list on top of that go bag in really large letters of what to grab in case of an emergency. You know, I guess I always thought if there was an emergency, you'd have, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, you could run around the house. But I really wasn't planning for no power and no lights and one minute, 60 seconds. So what do you do with 60 seconds? My husband and I were given exactly one minute to get out. The fire was 100 feet away from our house, and there was no time to gather any items. The uh, firefighters, I said, how much time do I have? And one of the firefighters, it was the captain, he said, ma'am, if you want us to save your house, you have less than 60 seconds. And he pointed, and of course, you know, the flames were huge, the fire was raging, and um, there was no time. So in the dark, the complete dark, 2.15 in the morning, with a flashlight leading the way, there was just enough time to put on my pants, grab my computer, my handbag, my phone, my keys, and my go bag. And the only reason I was able to grab those few things is because I 
kept them all together in one spot. And then outside the front door, I put on my garden clogs because I didn't have time to go upstairs to get any shoes. And off we went as two trucks of firefighters battled that blaze from our driveway. And then two more trucks came up the driveway. All in all, um, where I am, I think over 600 people were evacuated, an entire, you know, big neighborhood. And over 150 firefighters were on this. Fortunately, fortunately, uh, all lives were saved and no structures or animals were injured. I mean, it's just an, a miracle when you see how big the blaze was. But I put together some cliff notes of what I learned in that frenzy and frightful morning a couple of days ago. And it could have improved our one-minute evacuation. So number one, put your keys, your wallet, your handbag, your phone, your glasses, and all essentials in the place in the same place every time. And that's morning, noon, night. Don't scatter things all over the house. Uh, example, my husband left without his wallet, his glasses, his iPad. It was only, he was like, I don't even have my phone. And I knew where his phone was. And I said, your phone is there you know, run and grab it while I was loading up the car. And that's the only reason he had his phone. Everything on your list, if you have a list, should be stored either in your go bag or close to your go bag. I mean, on my list, I had written things that, um, you know, I have in different parts of the house. Uh, My computer, my backup discs, uh, passports, insurance papers, family DVDs, the first editions of the books that I've written. That's just a few of the things I'd written. Well, as I said, there was only time to grab my computer and what was right next to it, which was my handbag, my phone, my keys. <laughs> uh, have duplicate keys to your homes, your offices, or any other keys that you may need in your go bag, like even if you're going to go someplace. We were only allowed to evacuate with one car. Now, my car always has everything that's necessary in it. It's like an emergency vehicle. But we were directed to take my husband's car. It had nothing in it. And we were only allowed one car because they were they were very afraid that the roads would clog and the fires would block the exits and, you know, people could die. So they were only letting, um, by the time they knocked on our house, they were only letting one car. And the car that they allowed to go was the one that was the closest out. So um, that was frustrating. And what that meant is, is I, we evacuated and we went to my city office. But the keys to my city office were actually in my car. So because there's a lock that I can push a button to get into the lobby, we were able to go into the lobby. I mean, it was dark there, too, because there's no power. But at least, you know, there was water and there was a a restroom and um, a carpet. And I could lay down some blankets and, you know, at least feel a little more comfortable. Keep a pair of shoes near your front door. Now, I say check to that because I always have my garden clogs, but it would have been better to have boots. Uh, The fifth thing is a headlamp is better than a flashlight option when you're searching in the dark, attempting to find things because two hands are better than one when you can only take what you can carry. And that's what we were told. You can only take what you can carry. So this was not one of those things where I could start, you know, bringing out uh, family albums or, you know, anything. Um, 
bring a warm coat, blanket, socks, and maybe even your pillow. It was really cold. To us, it was cold. It was like in the low 40s. I think it was 40. And the two thin blankets that I had packed in my emergency bag were not sufficient. So I wish I had stuffed my pillow in my bag. That would have felt so much better. But now today, I've already amended my emergency go bag. So everything is, um, is ready. And I think that these blackouts, especially if we have PG&E, is going to be the new normal. And with climate change, who knows? I mean, I've been here in this particular location for over three decades, and we've never had a fire. Now, the firefighters were amazing. They were calm. They were professional. They were truly heroic in saving lives and homes. And all my gratitude goes out to these brave men and women from the many fire districts who orchestrated Such a successful save. I mean, bravo, bravo, bravo. And I should say all is well that ends well. I wrote about it in the newspaper that I write for, the La Mirinda Weekly. So I'll put that link on my website if you'd like to read more. But now I just want to give you um, what should be in your emergency supply kit or your go bag. Because uh, right after the fire, so uh, two days later, we had an earthquake. So it was a 4.5, and um, that really, really shook us. I mean, uh, I found out what wasn't what wasn't really secured to the walls because things fell off. So we actually had 11 earthquakes within a 24-hour period. Most of them were like the 2.5, 2.8, but the 4.5 was a pretty big shaker, and it does rattle your bones. So um, there's going to be more disasters all across the country, I think, as our climate changes. So I want to encourage people to put together an emergency go bag. So whatever the calamity, it's going to behoove you to have this emergency supply kit in any vehicle that you own, as well as a larger one with maybe more items uh, at your, if you have a closet near your front door, but wherever it is that you would exit So make sure you know where all your important documents are located, make copies, and uh, put a reminder note on your bag to grab any necessities that aren't already packed. But as I said, the best thing is to have those necessities right there. You don't want to go looking for them. And um, as is the case with our California wildfires and earthquakes, you know, a matter of minutes uh, is the difference between life and death. So you have to be really careful. Make copies of your passport, your driver's license, your credit cards. Have a few uh, small bills, uh, at least some cash, because no matter where you're going, especially if the power's out, cash is the only thing you're going to be able to use. And speaking of power, if you have a garage or a gate, know how to open it manually. In the fires that happened in Santa Rosa uh, last year, People died in their garages because the power was out and they couldn't open their garage doors. So that's really, really critical. Back up your computers, keep files in the cloud or off-site, make a plan for your pets and animals and have a bag ready for them as well. Now, any pets that, you know, live with you, you probably can, they'll probably jump in the car. But if you're like me and have a big barnyard and you have one minute, There's no time to grab them. I had to let the firefighters know that they were there, and and fortunately, everybody was saved, but it's pretty scary. 
And also the last thing is to remember that saving your life and that of your family is the most important because everything else can be replaced. So know your neighbors and their contact numbers so that you can keep in touch to make sure everyone is safe. And have a list of a network of friends that you can call in an emergency and know where you can go in evacuations. They pretty much sent everybody in our evacuation to the local Catholic church. But um, since my office is not too far away, and, and the Catholic Church had no power either. There was no power anywhere for miles and miles. So there wasn't any place you could go that had power. So this will um, this will be good, you know, this, uh, this will be good to know if you know where you're going to go to evacuate. Now, um, what do you pack in a go bag and what do you use? Fill a backpack or it can be a small suitcase with the following and keep one of these, as I said, in all of your vehicles and one in your home. You want a first aid kit, work gloves, warm gloves, towelettes, a small towel, bottled water, and it's good to have a gallon per person per day, a warm blanket, walking shoes, socks, a warm jacket, peanut butter, honey, protein bars, personal hygiene kit, you know, toothbrush, soap, medications, matches, a candle, flashlight and headlamp with extra batteries. And I don't keep the batteries in the flashlight or the headlamp. I put the batteries to the side. That way they won't corrode. Any eating utensils, breathing masks, those, um, the, the N95s are the best breathing masks. A clothing change, your extra set of keys to your home, your office, some cash, toilet paper, and depending, I guess, what time of day, but now I have it packed, bottles of wine. So I hope you never have to use these kits in an emergency, but it is best to be prepared. Now, the next thing I just wanted to talk about um, is how to build a productive bond with your contractor. Because in the last emergency that I had a couple years ago, which was a flood in my house, um, it was, I literally, the pretty much the majority of my house was destroyed because we were out of town and um, a toilet leaked and it just flooded our entire house down through the walls, carpets, everything. And I had to um, basically rebuild. So remodeling and other contracting jobs can be really stressful. They can be expensive and time-consuming. But when you work with a contractor, you're establishing a temporary but a very crucial interaction in your life. And a contractor might spend days, weeks, months, might even be a year. It was a year for me that you'll be working with your contractor. So the best thing you can do is to build a really good relationship. And that will determine the success of your project. I was really fortunate. Uh, My um, contractor, his name was Michael Verbrugge. I call him King Michael because he was just so on top of everything and just really great to work with. So you've got to be realistic. So You know, TV shows and websites and magazines and Pinterest boards, everybody offers you this wide array of content and, 
inspirational and aspirational ideas that will help you launch your home project. But don't forget that the media is always edited and curated. So hours or days of effort can disappear behind a single scene cut. So don't let that mass media give you the wrong impression about your remodeling process, that everything can be done in a day or a week or even a month. When you talk to a pro, make sure you're very realistic and you have an idea how things are going to work and that you feel confident that you can trust their judgment and your adjustment. Now, when it comes to decision making, remodeling requires a steady flow of logistics, of supplies and workers. They're going to be people coming and going at all times. What my contractor did is he put a lockbox on um, on my door, um, but only he had the key to it. So that made me feel safe that, you know, there weren't 40 different people trying to come into my house at all hours. And if you don't make timely decisions on questions with hard deadlines, you can always, uh, you may cause delays. And not only on your own job, but those of other homeowners as well. So you want your contractor to hit his timelines and you want to respect his time. And by respecting his time, you won't be putting other people out either. And ultimately, you're responsible for keeping your project on schedule. Now, there's always going to be issues that happen. And if you are really on top of it, you will handle them immediately. You've got to make quick, quick decisions. Now, I, I have a background in interior design. I did it for 25 years. So, For me, I can see the big picture. You know, I always say I can see the impossible and create the possible. But but a lot of things happen. And I'll give you an example. We were having to remodel a bathroom, but I thought that maybe that we would be able, because it was completely ruined, the walls, everything, pulling everything out. But I loved the sinks. They were handmade sinks that I had put in. And I thought, well, maybe I can save those sinks That might be um, good, but in the process of taking out the wall and the cabinet, the sinks cracked, Uh, but the day it was very imperative that they get the sinks in on that particular day. They had like a two-day window, so it was up to me to scramble and to find a sink that was in stock, either from a showroom that I'd work with or at one of another, you know, at either a big box store or some other store. And I had to do that. We had another uh, uh, issue with some marble and um, that when we went to go install something, it needed some of the, the marble that was already in the bathroom cracked. And I said, they don't have make it anymore, of course, because when marble's cut out of a, uh, a mountainside, once that's gone, it's gone. So I had to, in one day, travel all over hunting for something that would coordinate. But I did it because if I hadn't, not only would have it held up my job, but the contractor would have had to move on to somebody else's job, and then everything would have been put behind for weeks, probably. Always know what you're getting into. The least expensive changes you can make to your projects are the ones that you make before even a single nail has been hammered. So have a very clear idea of the scope and direction of your project. And the more easily you'll head off delays and extra costs. And so you might even have to um, 
besides having your contractor, you may need to hire an interior designer or an interior decorator to help you that can help you keep on track because every project changes over time. But as you, if you know your plan and you have an understanding of what you're doing, uh, you will get your final product. Now, give the remodeler some space um, to work. Like I just cleaned out my garage and that was where they could put all their tools and paint and everything so that every day when they cleaned up the uh, project, they didn't have to put everything back in their truck because they were coming back to my house the next uh, morning. So, and it was locked up in my garage. So if you can give them a space, that's going to save them time. Um, that you know to set up and to take down and by saving them time the job gets done faster and that also will translate into some dollars saved on your cost because time is money and then be mindful of your presence and what you're doing it's good to be a very hands-on client and to know what's going on and be engaged and but be friendly be caring do not be a micromanager. You don't want to distract the workers. You don't want to prolong their process. And if you have an issue with how individual workers are doing their job, you need to talk to the contractor or the supervisor or if it's a design professional, who's ever in charge. Don't try to, um, to work it out with the individual subcontractors. That's not your job. And by micromanaging, you will create more problems and you'll cause some dis-ease and distrust within everybody. So make an effort to stay involved, but don't be obtrusive. And, you know, just ask for rather regular walkthroughs and status updates. Um, that, and that way you'll be engaged without disrupting their work. What uh, Michael did for us is we would have a, he was here every day at least for a certain amount of time to see his workers. But we would have a weekly meeting to go over uh, costs, any changes for me to write a check for him, and just to make sure everything was running smoothly. And that's very, very critical because the end of the day, you want to be happy with your place and you still want to be friends with your contractor. So I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And when we come back from break, we have much more to come because we will be talking about medical virtual reality. And we're also going to talk about canoe plants today if we can get to it. Uh, Don't go away. CynthiaBryan.com. I'll be back. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 
and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, we're back, and you are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I know I gave you a lot of information in that first segment, especially about what to put in your emergency go bag. I'm going to post it on Press Pass at Voice America, so if you want to see it, you can, you'll be able to get it there. I'll also probably put it in a blog at CynthiaBryan.com. So, I really, really believe no matter where you are, you should have an emergency go bag because tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, fires, earthquakes, um, it's happening now. And I don't think it's going to stop. So I think we're in a new reality at the moment. Now, talking about reality, I want to go to a, something I've been, been following called virtual healing. Now, uh, you know, kids love gaming, and many kids feel right at home in the virtual worlds. And now what's happening is immersive technology is actually hitting hospitals here in Northern California, and it sounds so exciting and promising, especially for young people. Um, Dr. Curtis August at UCSF Benihoff Children's Hospital and actually Oakland is a neurosurgeon and what he is uh, doing he's actually doing some brain surgery on patients but using a virtual reality system called surgical theater which means that a patient can put on a headset fly into a 3D model of the patient's brain and while the technology is primarily used for surgical planning to charge the be- you know to chart the best pathway to a tumor or an aneurysm for example UCSF Benihoff Children's Hospital is the first hospital in the United States to routinely share this remarkable virtual reality experience with the patients and the families. So for kids, this technology is actually speaking their language because so many kids are gamers and they like putting on these VR headsets. So how cool if you have to have brain surgery that you can put on a VA VR headset, actually go into your brain. I mean, this is a unique experience and see what's going on. You can stand like in the middle of your brain, look around and, uh, and actually see where the issue is. So 
using hand controls to glide around. You can see blood vessels, uh, blood vessels, um, vision fibers, uh, and the source of whatever trouble that you're at that hospital for, whether it is a tumor or an aneurysm or whatever. And then uh, Dr. August, he is represented by an avatar. He wears a white coat. And he acts as a tour guide in this virtual reality experience. Now, the system is an invaluable tool, according to Dr. August, for educating patients and their families because they've tried to deal with it in the past just with words or with models, but it's so difficult to convey that, com- you know, that information. And now they can break down the barriers that exist between the families and the kids and the doctor with this virtual reality tool, and they can see what needs to be done. So inside the brain, as a surgery planning tool, uh, virtual reality has become a game changer. And during neurosurgery, for example, doctors need to avoid nicking important structures like you know, blood vessels or vision fibers or the speech cortex. And the standard imaging, which is a series of MRIs, would only show two-dimensional slices of the brain, and it's in a real muddy gray scale. But what virtual reality does, it provides a three-dimensional model with anatomical structures rendered in bright colors and much, much sharper details. So a surgeon can more clearly see a tumor's boundaries and better determine where that no-fly zone is going to be for the surgery. And then the added feature is that the surgeon can virtually fly through the anatomy, viewing it from many different angles rather than just interacting with it on a flat screen, you know, that or what, just looking at those MRIs. So it's really empowering because you can see things that were otherwise hidden. And... Um, you, the, Dr. August was saying that it makes him think about all the difficult surgeries he's ever done. And if he had had this technology before, uh, he wonders how much easier that experience would have been. So when you enter a virtual brain, it's sometimes difficult to separate the neurosurgeon, you know, from the kid <laughs> that, he, that he was, for example, when he used to play video games. Uh, he grew up in New York. But um, Dr. August uh, admits that he has learned a trick or two from being uh, from being a gamer in his youth, and also from his tech savvy patients because they are really, really used to it. So with the headsets and the handsets, it's kind of the same handsets and headsets that kids have at home so it's their world and it gives the kids the power to engage with their own diagnosis and have a little combat scenario with the thing that's causing their problems whether it's headaches or seizures or whatever it would be it just empowers the kids to take some control how in because it's pretty sad when a kid has something that traumatic like a brain tumor and, you know, they don't feel that they have any, any way to control the outcome themselves. But this way, they can be less stressed and a bit more relaxed. And it seems to ease the pain because virtual reality is also helping young patients quell the pain and the stress. The patients at UCSF Benehoff Children's who are undergoing a really hard procedure can, for example, put on a headset and they enter this marvelous immersive underwater experience called Kind VR Aqua. 
Now, what it is, is patients drift along and they interact with dolphins and whales and they get to recolor the ocean. And um, it's not just fun. I mean, it is fun, but it's more than that. It's a This is a growing body of research that shows patients experience less pain while they're immersed in a virtual experience. So a virtual reality is helping reduce the patient's perception of pain by directing their attention into the virtual world. And then it leaves a little less bandwidth to process those pain signals. And what that reminded me of is when I fly long distances. And I, I don't like flying like many people. Um, but if I put on a movie... I am so distracted that I don't feel the discomfort of the seat. And, you know, my back doesn't hurt as much. And I don't know, time just seems to fly by if I watch a movie. So virtual reality is the same thing. So it's actually distraction is a tool that healthcare providers, they've used it a long time. You know, sometimes they play a simple game with a child while administering a shot. Um, I know that... It's a, a little bit better. I think virtual reality is probably better at hijacking the brain senses. It's not like just watching a movie because it is an interactive experience. And all of that added up with this um, transportive sense of, of presence where you feel like you're somewhere else. It's a lot for your brain to chew on. So you might have a procedure and you um, you won't have a meltdown. You know, you may not, you may not need to be held down. You may not even feel the pain. So the person who developed this uh, kind VR Aqua, um, he is from Alameda, California. His name is Simon Robertson. And he said that when he did it, he grabbed this clunky VR headset. He visited of Benihoff Children's to share the research. They told him just to slow down, take your time, you know, and um, they wanted him to become a volunteer first at the Child Life Services Department. So that way he was able to work bedside next to the kids and kind of figure out what fears and stuff they had. And uh, that really helped him a lot. So the time spent with patients gave him such valuable insights because then he started brainstorming his product and then he launched his kind VR Aqua because a lot of gaming experiences want you to stand up or spin around or, or you know, have a big dinosaur behind you, which is all exciting. But if you are in a hospital bed or you're in a wheelchair, that doesn't make much sense. So instead, these patients cruise through the water in a little submarine, viewing the sea through a window in front of them. And uh, I really would like to try that because I love being underwater. So it, this, um, this new kind of virtual reality is transforming. And it really will help kids navigate their inpatient experience because it's, they've got to be really, really scared. They don't know what's going on. But kind VR games and fly-throughs are visually enjoyable and they often serve hugely important functional roles as well because they motivate the patients to maintain a certain position while the practitioners work on them. So when Kind VR develops a new virtual world, it first runs a clinical trial to ensure it's reducing the patient's experience of pain or stress and then it'll roll it out. Uh, 
So they don't just roll it out right away. And this particular one, their research found that a 15-minute kind VR aqua session led to significant pain reduction. So VR experiences can be used in concert with pain medication, and they can also have the potential to help patients reduce their opioid consumption, which, as we know, opioid is such a huge epidemic right now. So if we don't have to give painkillers and we can just give VR, how great is that? And and again, um, virtual reality has been around for kids. It's nothing new. And now it's just making its way into medicine, and the applications appear to be limitless in all medical fields to varying degrees using two-dimensional imaging to get yourself ready for a procedure or to understand the diagnosis. But then you can, you know, just literally walk through the body with this three-dimensional translation of your two-dimensional world. So the v, uh, VR application being used at UCSF right now is setting the stage for a lifetime of healthy living. And I hope that it will translate to hospitals across the nation because we want kids and we want everybody to have a positive healthcare experience. And um, and if as a child you have a positive healthcare experience, you're going to be more likely to keep your doctor appointments and to maintain your health as you get older. So this technology is going to allow us to face our fears in a rather fun and exciting way. So I really, really like it. Now, um, a couple of the VR's young pioneers, virtual reality at Cal Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley, there's a multidisciplinary community. There's 500 students that are studying engineering, molecular cell biology, cognitive science, uh, and more. And it's become a real hotbed of innovation in virtual and augmented reality. They're looking at non-gimmicky uses of virtual reality and how can virtual reality change people's lives. And I'm just going to give you a couple of the experiments that uh, Cal students have done that are pretty intriguing projects. One is a game, um, it's called a brain game, and one team aims to help people with mild traumatic brain injuries, which is called MTBI by creating experiences that restore cognitive functions. So what they do is they have a maze with a series of obstacles to essentially train different areas of the brain. And the hope is that after practicing sufficiently, you would see cognitive gains in memory. And then people could use it in the comfort of their own home is one application. Or what about a a veteran center? Maybe they could invest in one or two headsets and then veterans could use these treatments. Just like you would go to your library and check out something, you could check out a headset and help your brain. Another one was for the blind and it's called uh, virtual vision. And so students from uh, UC Berkeley School of Information developed a prototype that might one day help the blind and visually impaired navigate unfamiliar places. And research included talking to accessibility experts and blind advocacy groups. And they wanted more ways to get semantic information about the environment because there's so much text that's not available to blind people. So virtual reality could be the next step in helping the blind to virtually see. 
Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And we're going to take just a very short break. And when we come back from our break, we were going to go to Polynesia. We'll talk about canoe plants. And I'm sure you don't even know what a canoe plant is, but I'm about to tell you. Stand by. Be the star you are. The star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you ever wonder where your next project's going to come from? Here are a few lessons from my experiences as a freelance writer. Research topics that you feel you'd be interested in working on and then pitch to people and companies that fascinate you and know the markets for your ideas ahead of time. You want to write a great proposal about great ideas that always wow your potential clients. So do this as a matter of course every time. No excuses and never give up. Persevere, persevere, persevere. Follow up on leads no matter how remote they may seen you may need to sacrifice to take on assignments that you know are really worthwhile but it is worth it in the long run just do it ask for more work from people who already know and trust you and always suggest ideas to people with whom you're already working that is marketing yourself and be available say yes I can and then make sure that you do pitch and submit to the same people over and over and over and over and over and over until they use you you know why life is about relationships when you build strong foundations and nurture them on a regular basis whether you think you can or think you can't you're right so yeah yes I can this is another business bite from Star Style. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you can visit me at CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are, the star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. 
Well, you're still with me, and I appreciate that. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And this is a real informational show with just lots of, I'm calling it a potpourri of, uh, of information and hopefully some edutainment and things that you can live in live live with and learn from. So uh, when Polynesian voyagers migrated to the far-flung destinations as early as 400 uh, BC, their vessels were laden with fruits and seeds and cuttings and roots that would thrive in tropical climates, such as those prevailing in the Hawaiian Islands, where some two dozen of what we call canoe plants were cultivated and have flourished. And although these plants are actually not native to Hawaii, the botanical bounty is now deeply rooted in Hawaii's rich rich cultural heritage and as staples of sustenance and provisions that are essential for life. So what is a canoe plant? What it means is that these plants were brought over by canoes, right, from the people in Polynesia down in Tahiti and Cook Islands and all those islands there. In the Hawaiian language, malama means care for and aina means land. And it's of the principle of nurturing the environment so that it will reciprocate by bestowing the sustaining essentials for present and future generations. It's a spiritual and physical guidance that is um, instilled, and it's to protect and preserve the land, the ocean, and all dwellings. And this sounds like a really good thing to do, especially in this these times of uh, climate change. Now, the Hawaiians living with self-sustaining units, they were connecting uh, to the mountains and to the oceans. And so defined by watershed boundaries, these wedge-shaped divisions yield upslope trees for building canoes, for fertile farmland, for growing you know, consumables, and the ocean for reaping fish, seaweed, and, um, and other sources. So... They're talking about these sources now as being superfoods, that many canoe plants are deemed Hawaiian superfoods for their natural benefits. And among those superfoods are taro, breadfruit, sweet potato, and Indian mulberry. And among the sacred canoe plants, Kalo, which is taro, uh, K-A-L-O, was so revered that it was defined in the story of the creation chant as the plant from which Hawaiians were formed. Now, early settlers cultivated hundreds of varieties of this root vegetable in valleys spanning from um, the Hamukoa and the Hawaiian on the Hawaiian island to Hanalei on Kauai. In wetlands of Kauai, six generations of one family have harvested taro for more than a century. And that's really wonderful when you can pass something down generation to generation. It's really important. Now, there is a power of purple. And what that is, is um, that very often, Kalua, when you join Kalua Pig and, and Taro in the traditional underground oven, this is you do this at Island Luau's, um, the uwala is 
used for medicinal and ritual purposes. And it has adapted well to grow in really poor conditions. So there are uh, over 200 varieties of this crop that are propagated for diverse tastes and color preferences and climates. And with when mixed with water and fermented and mashed, you get actually a sweet potato beer. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. And it's a, a purple kind of beer. And so the other sweet potatoes, um, that they can make sweet potato chips. Uh, they use uh, in casseroles. If you've had mochi, have you had mochi, the ice cream? So they use that in mochi. It's used in pies and cakes. And, of course, it's filled with vitamin A and phosphorus and calcium. So um, these are. this is why they call it a super plant. But of all the canoe plants that were transported by the Polynesians, noni, N-O-N-I, was the only one dedicated for medicinal purposes. And for over 2,000 years, Polynesians relied on noni fruit to treat pain, inflammation, infections, and arthritis. Now today, it's a light green fruit. It's typically sold as a juice blend, and it's thought to regulate cell functions and strengthen the um, immune system. And you usually see it in, if you buy it here on the continent, um, you probably see it in health food stores. But the people who are making it, they are doing it in the traditional way that the Polynesians and, and Hawaiians have done for thousands and thousands of years. They follow that tradition. They dehydrate the pulp at a low heat, and then that prevents the fermentation, and that leaves the beneficial compounds and the enzymes intact. Now, um, if anybody out there is craving a gluten-free diet, then you could be grateful that the Mighty Ulu, U-L-U, is made Polynesia the must-pack list. It's low in fat. It's an energy-rich fruit, and it brims with complex carbohydrates, with fiber, and with minerals. Now, ulu tree were also used to craft materials for wood and for medicines. So what is ulu? It's breadfruit. If you've been to Hawaii, you probably have had breadfruit. And if you've ever seen a breadfruit tree, it's um, it's really interesting. It's a great, big, huge, kind of knobby uh, fruit. I, th- I think it's really quite interesting. Now, um, the breadfruit is also good, you know, in fritters, breads, curries, chowders, salads, dips, chips. You can make um, vegetarian burgers. You can even make desserts from it. And then uh, more embracing canoe plants are other people who are using ancient ways to be sustainable and to bridge the future with today's Hawaii from what was in the past. So for example, in Kauai, on the north, uh, the north coast of uh, Kauai, there's an ancient um, nonprofit, well, not an ancient, it's just a nonprofit that's doing things in the ancient way. It's called Napali Coast Ohana. And they have developed a one-six-acre plot into a botanical demonstration garden. And the area was inhabited for a 1,000 years before Westerners ever, ever arrived. 
Now, when Westerners came to Hawaii, as everybody knows, with them came diseases to which the Hawaiians had absolutely no immunity. So the population plummeted. And then, so this garden is really important because it is showing what what were the foods of the ancient Hawaiians and what was the Hawaiian culture. I just heard on the radio yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I just heard on the radio yesterday about how the Hawaiian language now is being reintroduced in schools. And it's really a great thing because you don't want that culture to be lost. And up until like 1980, there were only like 50 people left in the islands that spoke fluent Hawaiian. And because some second generation young people wanted to learn Hawaiian and maintain their culture, they started a preschool. And now they have, there's over 5,000 people that are speaking Hawaiian. So it's really important to keep our culture. It's very, very important. Now, sugarcane is also something that uh, is, is considered a canoe, a canoe plant. So if you're ever uh, planning to go to Hawaii or to go to Polynesia, just think about all these different plants when you're there and how they have traveled. Because, uh, you know, you always think, I always think about sugarcane or pineapples or taro or breadfruit. I always think about these as just being Hawaiian uh, fruits or tropical fruits, but they really did immigrate from Polynesia in a canoe. So, and I know when I lived in Hawaii, I actually found a coconut, put an address on it, put stamps on it, and sent it back home. And you can plant a coconut and it will grow into a coconut tree. So if you want a coconut tree in your backyard, get a pot and get a, a coconut and go ahead and plant it. Well, this is our show for today. I want to thank you very much for uh, being here with me every single Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. We, Pacific, by the way, we always come to you live on the Voice America Network. And the show is called Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For information about Star Style or Cynthia Bryan, visit CynthiaBryan.com. You can also find my books there under CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books. We would like you to go to Be the Star You Are charity and make a donation This radio show that you're listening to right now is going to be going into its 22nd year soon. And Express Yourself Teen Radio has already been broadcasting eight years and will be starting its ninth year very shortly. So uh, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. More information about the radio shows at StarStyleRadio.com. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, motivate, So see beyond your physical being, know you're already a star you dreamed of becoming, and I hope that you will pick up a book and read it this week. A book is always like a garden in your pocket. So until we celebrate right here on Voice America Network Empowerment Channel on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m., just remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep you happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. 
Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a wonderful week and make it a safe week. And check out my blog at CynthiaBryan.com forward slash, I think it's blog, or just click on blog if you would like information on that emergency go bag, what to put in it. Thanks for joining me. Be, Be here next week. I will. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you ignite the flame that burns brightly within take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect cynthia bryan every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern time right here on the voice america empowerment channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style until we celebrate together next week be the star you are